Hey there, good morning Mount Airy. We're so glad you're here today. We just wanted to take some time out and tell you about the awesome things we have coming up in the month of March. For Marvelous March, 125 years in the making. We're gonna look at the legacy of Mount Airy and where we've come from, but also where God is leading us in these future years. There are plenty of activities and events going on this month, so check out your bulletin. But we wanna bring your attention to four main things. First off, bring the 18 days of prayer. This will start this week, Monday through Friday. We'll meet in the sanctuary at 6.30 for a time of prayer and just reflection and scripture as we come together and pray about what Mount Airy has experienced, what's coming, and just what is going on now. And then on the weekends, you'll have a prayer guide in your bulletin to go through and continue those days of prayer. On the 18th, which is a Wednesday, we're actually going to have that prayer service in the nighttime at 6.30, and we hope that you can make it to that as well. On March 8th, we're going to have Tony and Beth Lissetto here to join us as we celebrate our five-year partnership with Cleveland and what all the Lord has done there, and also look at where the Lord has taken them and just celebrate the church that has grown there under their leadership and under the Lord's leadership. We'll be finishing our month on March 29th with a family fun day where we'll have burgers and potluck sides and desserts for you to come and join us. We'll also have inflatables and an egg hunt for the kids. Everything starts at five, so we hope that you can make it out. And we're so excited about this celebration and this marvelous march and look at the legacy that we have and the future that the Lord has in store for us. So we hope that you can make it out and enjoy the celebration, but also grow closer to God through our speakers that we have coming every week. Hope to see you there. I don't know if I wasn't here when they shot that video. I don't know if you looked at the shelves behind her and beside her. Pretty easy to tell whose office that is. <clears throat> and we are excited about Marvelous March. We start that today, March the 1st, and throughout the entire month. We're going to be focusing on different aspects of our history, our legacy, our future, and it's going to be a great month together. In fact, I would just encourage you this way. I want you to be here every Sunday. Hear from God's spokesman. Hear from, from, from God in a special way this month. And, and in fact, it's so important that you be here every Sunday. If you have to miss a Sunday, let this be the day you miss, okay? <laughs> Let's make that our deal. If you look up the word legacy in the dictionary, you'll find that the word means something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. In other words, legacy is something that's handed down from one generation to the next. Legacy is about passing on those things of lasting value to those who will come after us. Legacy is not really so much about you as it is those who come after you. And here's the interesting thing. Every one of us is leaving a legacy. Every one of us is leaving a legacy. If you have a pulse, you're leaving tracks. You're putting your fingers on things, and how you live your life and what you give your life to touches the lives of others. You see, you really don't have a choice whether or not you'll leave a legacy. Your only choice is what kind of legacy you'll leave. All of us are going to leave a legacy of some type. So this entire month, we're going to be celebrating the 125th anniversary of our church. And as we celebrate through the whole month, you may hear me say this more than once, but as we celebrate this whole month, I want you to remember two important things. The first one is this. We've been handed a legacy. 
We'll talk about that a lot today. We've been handed, over the 125 years, we've been handed a legacy. But the second thing I want you to be aware of is this. We are leaving a legacy for the next generation. We're going to be handing them, we're going to be handing the next generation a legacy, just like folks have handed us a legacy. Now, I want to begin by showing you a picture today. Uh, you may or may not recognize this picture. I, I used it a couple of years ago when I was talking about the history of our church. So let's, there we go. This is the Reverend Dwight Isidore Spearman. Reverend Spearman was a circuit-riding preacher. And on the third Sunday of March in 1895, he served as the moderator of our church as it was being organized. And once the church was organized, then they in turn asked him if he would be the church's first pastor. And so you can see here that he served the church at three different occasions, 1895 to 1899, and then 1905 to 1908, and then 1910 to 1914. I, I could not find anywhere in the records why he served three terms like that. But in my estimation, of course, he started the church in 1895, got them going, and then four years later decided to come back and help the church. Maybe they were struggling. He wanted to help the church to continue. And then a few years after that, came back again to help the church and keep the church going and give the church leadership. Now, if you look at this picture, I want to ask you a question. How many of you knew him? None of you. None of you. None of us knew him. None of us sat under his ministry. None of us ever heard him preach one sermon. To us, he's just a picture and a name. But now to God, he is much, much more than a picture and a name. To God, he was the person that God chose to be the first pastor of this church. To God, He was the person that God was working in and working through to give birth to this church we now have. See, He was not just a picture and a name. He was someone that was instrumental in handing us a legacy. It's Mount Airy Baptist Church. I want to show you another picture. This is the original church building that was built in 1896. church was started in 1895, had... Uh, two to four acres of land, depending on which person you read, two to four acres of land, and a building was already on the property. They started in that building, and a year later they built this building, and, and it was dedicated in March of 1896. Now, I know from where you're at, you can't really make out the people that are sitting up front, but if you were to look at the, come to my office and look at that picture closely, you still wouldn't know any of them. You've never met any of them. You couldn't even... Do what? Who do you know? You just ruined my whole sermon. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're going to have a conversation. How do you know him? He was your grandfather. Maybe he's just somebody that looks like your grandfather. <laughs> and where is he in the picture? 
on the front row. That helps. Over to the right. Yeah, right there. I see him. Let me change my notes here. Just give me, just give me. We don't know most of them. There's very few people who know any of them. But there is one. There is, there is one that we do know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I've lost it now. I'm just, I'm as if I can reclaim this. For 125 years, for 125 years, there's been a church building of some type on this property. For 125 years, there has been a gospel witness in this community because of a long list of people that most of us have never met. Now here's the reason why that's important. We're able to worship today because of someone else's vision, someone else's giving, someone else's work, someone else's sacrifice, someone else's prayers. For 125 years, each generation has passed on this church to the next generation. I didn't say this in the first service, but I was looking through some old pictures yesterday or Friday, and my predecessor, Otis Darnell, was standing at that door right out there at, in the entryway. And it hit me. He was just standing there. It looked like a Sunday morning. He was greeting people as they, went, as they were leaving, and it hit me that trying to make sure I say this the right way. It hit me that he passed that church on to me. He's no longer here doing that. He's no longer standing at that door. Now I am. One day I'll pass it on to somebody else. None of us are here forever. None of us, none of us are here forever. For 125 years, generation after generation after generation has benefited from the previous generation. Now, if you look at this picture, the church was a lot smaller back then than it is now. But it's no less important. These people in the picture were faithful with what they had and they served God in their generation. Now, I want you to think about this. From one of these days... We're going to hand this church off to somebody else. And they will worship in buildings that we've paid for. And they will benefit from our sacrifice. They will benefit from our vision. They will benefit from our work. They will benefit from our prayers. And more than likely, they won't even know our names. More than likely, they will look, one day look at pictures of us and they won't know who we are except for your, your great-grandmother, grandniece, and granddaughter, they'll know, but... Isn't it interesting how one generation hands the gospel to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation? For 125 years, that's what's been happening on this property. 
But hear me and hear me well, church. The hope of this community is not Mount Airy Baptist Church. The hope of this community is the gospel we preach at Mount Airy Baptist Church. That's the hope for lostness. The hope for lostness is not Mount Airy Baptist Church. The hope for lostness is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we preach at Mount Airy Baptist Church. The idea of the church is a pretty big deal. The idea of the church really uh, originated with God. And in fact, the history of our church goes back even beyond 1895. The history of our church really goes back about 2,000 years. Not as a building. It began not as a denomination. It began as a movement of God. And one generation after another generation after another generation has handed the gospel to the next. And it sounds a lot like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. Would you open God's word with me to Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. I want to focus on this text because I've chosen these verses as our theme for the entire month. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory, read those next three words out loud, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Notice that word generation, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now there's three words in this text that I want to call to your attention. Three words you might want to underline or circle or highlight or at least make note of somewhere in the column of your Bible or on your bulletin or your, or your journal. There's three words that are very important to the future of our church and three words that are very important to understanding this text. The first word I want to call to your attention is the very first word in the verse of verse 20. The word now. This is such an interesting word when you study how it's used in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. <clears throat> there are several words in the Greek language for the word now. But the, word, the Greek word that is used here in the very first word of verse 20 is the Greek word de. If you transliterate it into English, it's the, the letters D-E. It's pronounced de. Would you say that word with me? De. You now know a little bit of Greek. You've learned something. De. It's a very interesting word when you sit in the New Testament because most of the time this word is used to introduce a moment of great significance. There are other regular words for the word now, but this particular word introduces things of great significance. Let me show you this in Scripture. Let's do a quick Scripture search. Put your finger there in Ephesians. Go over to the first book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, quickly find that one. And when you come to Matthew chapter 5, I want you to look at verse 1. And I want somebody to tell me, what is the very first word in Matthew 5, 1? Now, death. And in Matthew chapter 5, it's introducing the Sermon on the Mount, something momentous. And so the writer, Matthew, uses that Greek word, that special Greek word that signifies a momentous occasion, death, now. 
when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he began to teach them. Let me show you another example. Go over to the right few books and find the, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. <clears throat> the Gospel of John, chapter 11. <clears throat> Gospel of John, chapter 11. Look at verse 1 and somebody tell me what is the very first word in John 11, 1. Now, death. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. And here's the story of God raising Lazarus from the dead, or Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Again, a momentous occasion introduced with the word now. But now is not only used to describe something extraordinary that Jesus does, it's also used to, to describe and introduce God's extraordinary work through the lives of ordinary people. Let me show you a couple of examples of that. Go to the right one book. Go to Acts chapter 6. <clears throat> Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. And that word now, Acts chapter 6, verse 8, is the same word, death, and it's introducing to us this man named Stephen, who was the first martyr for his faith. Go over two chapters, chapter 8, verse 26. Verse, first word in the verse now an angel of the Lord said to Philip go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza if you continue to read the story, this is the occasion of Philip sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch and the gospel then was carried by him to the continent of Africa significant, momentous occasion, again introduce word with the word now so now is used to describe something momentous, used to introduce something significant. And so it's no accident that the Apostle Paul, when he's writing the book of Ephesians, and he comes to chapter 3, verse 20, it's no accident that Paul uses this word, death, now, to introduce a powerful message about God working in and through his church. That's the first word I want you to understand. The second word I want you to see in this verse is the word able. Going back to Ephesians chapter 2 or chapter 3, look at the text again, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It's almost as if Paul stacks one word on top of another when you read that verse, uh, describing, painting a picture of the incredible power of God. Paul began with this simple assertion. God is able. Would you agree with that? God is able. He's able for what? Whatever you need, God's able to provide it. Whatever you're called to do, God's able to accomplish it. Whatever the task is, God can empower you to do it. Whatever the problem, God has the problem or the power to solve it. And that by itself ought to be enough to give us encouragement and security. Just knowing that God is able. Yet there's more. The Bible says not only is God able, but Paul paints this picture in verse 20, not only is God able, but he's able to go beyond everything we ask or imagine. Paul says it very plainly. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
God's power, Paul was simply saying, is beyond our imagination. God's resources are beyond our ability to even comprehend. And ladies and gentlemen, if there is one thing God has taught us in the 23 years that we've been together, pastor and people, if there's one thing that God has taught us, it ought to be this, that when we have stepped out in faith and followed God's leading, God-sized dreams suddenly became doable because God is able. He really is. God has proved Himself faithful again and again and again over the years. That whenever we've stepped out and whenever we follow God and whenever we took a risk, we found out God's able. God really is. And no matter how big the vision God gives us as a church, we need to remember in the future to come, our God is still able. He has not grown weak or tired. He is still able to accomplish whatever He calls us to do. I want to tell you something. When church becomes about what we can do, we've lost vision of what the church ought to be. It's not about what we can accomplish. It's about what God is able to do. We've forgotten what a church is if it's about us and what we can accomplish. Church is about God working in us and God working through us. In fact, Paul says it in that verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according, watch this, to his power that is at work within us. I love that, that statement. It's so clear. His power that is at work within us. For 125 years, God's been showing that verse to be true. Right here at Mount Airy Baptist Church. <clears throat> Third word I want to call to your attention is the one that perhaps would be the most important for us today. Though they're all important, but this one I want to make sure you really understand. The third word I want to call to your attention out of that verse, our theme verse for this month, is the word glory. Glory. Paul says it this way. Verse 21, to him be glory. No matter how much is accomplished... Paul is saying, us, saying to all of us, no matter how much is accomplished, God gets the glory. If the church is going to function as it's supposed to function, no matter what happens in the church, no matter how much the church does, God gets the glory. Now, what is glory? Well, the word means to recognize someone for who he really is. You, you, the word actually conveys the idea of praising God for who He really is, of acknowledging God for who He really is. We give God glory when we allow God to, to work among us. I want you to notice, in fact, where glory is found. Look at the verse. I want you to talk to me for a second. According to this verse, verse 21, where is God's glory to be found? In the church. If you don't have that marked, it ought to be marked. In the church. Too often the glory of God is noticeably absent from most churches. Too often we are the bland leading the bland. And the glory of God is not there. So how do we bring the glory of God into the church? And Paul tells us right here in the text. I've been wondering about that all week and then it occurred to me. It's right there in the text. Look what he says again in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, watch this, that is at work in us. By allowing him to do his work in us and through us, 
we can begin to see the glory of God among us. I'll make sure you hear that. By allowing Him to do His work in us and through us, we can begin to see the glory of God among us. So you see, I really, as your pastor, I desire that you have two moments at Mount Airy. The first moment is this. I want you to have a moment where you say, this is for me. That moment where you recognize the gospel, you hear the gospel, you recognize God is speaking directly to you, and it feels like, man, that preacher is speaking right at me. And I want you to have that moment where you give your life to Christ and say, this is, this is for me. There's a second moment I want you to have too. I want you to have a moment where you say, this is not just for me. You realize that the gospel is not just for you, that what God has done in your life, He wants to do in the lives of others. God has done something in you. Now God wants to do something through you. Right there in the text. According to His power that is at work within us. When you begin to live with that perspective, that God wants to do something in you and God wants to do something through you, and when that becomes your focus, then God will get the glory for only what, for only what He can do. Can I say something to you? Listen to me, church. None of us can change a life, but we can allow God to change ours. And as we allow God to change ours, God will get the glory for only what He can do. And as we allow Him to change ours, others will want what they see in us. <clears throat> Just this morning, I got a text from our church planter in East Nashville. Just this 8.08 this morning, my phone went off, and it was Jason Rumbo. Uh, in case you don't know, Jason Rumbo is a church replanter our church is partnering with him. There was a church in East Nashville that was dying. It was down to a handful of people. Jason moved his family there, Jason and Kelly. They moved their family there to help this church come alive again, to rebirth this church, to replant the church, if you will. And so we've been partnering with Jason, and he sent me this text. He said, good morning, Pastor Keith. I just wanted to give you a quick update on Hope Church. About a year ago, someone gave a woman named Kimberly a Bible, and she was so angry at God that she spit in every page and threw it away. About a month ago, she showed up to Hope, crying and saying she realized that she had made a mistake and that God wouldn't let her rest until she came to Him. This morning, she's getting baptized. Yeah. By the way, that's why we partner with church planters and replanters. That's why we're helping to revitalize a church in East Nashville. It's for people like Kimberly. And so that God could work through their lives to reach her. He said, so, so this morning she's getting baptized. She will be our 14th baptism in the span of about a year. Amen. God is moving and working. It's awesome to see, and I'm so grateful for your partnership with us in the gospel. Now, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I want to tell you what's happening at Hope Church today. When Kimberly gets baptized, you will see the glory of God in that place. That's the word Paul uses here. 
That's the word that is so important. To him be glory in the church. Now today, is, as we've already shared with you, today is our first day of our 18 days of prayer. Every day we're going to have a different theme. Today's theme is God's glory. I want you to put that slide up if you will please. To him be glory in the church. And I've got three things I want to ask you to pray about today. In fact, either get your phone out, take a picture of this slide, or write down, write down these three things real quickly. This is our prayer emphasis for today. I would ask you to pray about these things today and pray about these things tonight. These three things. First, pray that we will not trade God's glory for something else. See, God's people have the tendency to do that. To, pr- to trade God's glory for something else. In fact, just listen to this text in Matthew 2, 11. It says, My people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. My people have committed two sins. They've forgotten me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. And it's so often God's people over the years have the tendency to exchange the glory of God for something else. Something else that's gotten their attention. Something else that looks attractive. Something else that looks flashy. We can exchange God's glory for our own personal preferences. We can exchange God's glory for the things of this world. So I would just ask you as a church family, just today, this is our theme for today, would you pray with us today that we will not trade God's glory for something else? Number two, would you pray that we will experience God's glory in our church? That God will be doing a work in us and God will be doing such a work through us that God's glory will be manifested among us. Number three, would you pray that we'll share God's glory with those who are far from God? Would you pray today or tonight or both that we will, we will live in such a way that we will share this glory, we'll recognize it's not just for us, it's for those who don't yet know Him. Like Kimberly, who came to faith in Christ. You see, as we celebrate our history this month, we need to remember that our ultimate goal is to bring glory to God. That's our ultimate goal as a church, to bring glory to God. Our life becomes the adventure that God intends it to be only when we live it for His glory. And if we live our life for anything else, we're living far too small. God has a high calling on Mount Airy Baptist Church. We are to pursue the glory of God as we seek to fulfill the mission of God. Rick Warren once asked a pastor, he said, what's your, what's your mission for your church? And the pastor said, only God. And Rick Warren looked at him and said, what do you mean by that? He said, we take risks that only God can make happen, that when successful, only God will get the glory. Trying to live in such a way that only God can make it happen, and trying to live in such a way that only God could get the glory. Now, I want to give you an application. The three words are the words now. Right now, there's something significant, momentous God wants to do. The word able. God's able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the word glory. It's not about us, it's about Him. But I want to bring this to a point of a personal application. 
You see, verses 20 and 21 are the last two verses of chapter 3. After chapter 3, there is a chapter 4. What do you suppose the very first verse of chapter 4 says? Well, let's look and see. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. There's the application. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We have a God-given mandate to connect people to Jesus. We need to remember that what we do or fail to do will have eternal consequences. So live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Ladies and gentlemen, I just believe with every fiber of my being that God deserves our best. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Wayne Calloway was once the CEO of Pepsi, and he said something very insightful one time. He said, you should have more dreams than memories, and if you don't, you're in trouble. Boy, on the 125th anniversary of our church, I, I want to echo that. We need to have more dreams than memories. We need to still be seeking the Lord and still serving the Lord and still reaching out to those who don't know the Lord. God's call, God's plan, God's purpose is ongoing. And we never get to the point where we can say, okay, we can pause now, we can rest now, we can stop now. No, 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 no. No, as long as God gives us breath, we are to be about the purpose of God, the glory of God, and the mission of God. I really like what, what is said about the Apostle or what is said about David in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 36, I've memorized the verse this week. Here's what it says. David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep. And I've read that, and I thought, that's exactly what I want to do. We all have a window of time to fulfill God's purpose in our generation. And then we're going to fall asleep. And that opportunity will be gone. David fulfilled God's purpose for his life in his generation. Then he fell asleep. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do more than leave a legacy. Let's live a legacy. Because if you live a legacy, you've got something to hand the next generation. Generation after generation after generation have handed the gospel to the next generation. Let's be those people too. And years from now, they'll look at our pictures and they won't know who we are. But God will know. God will know what you did with your life. God will know how you served His purpose in your generation before you fell asleep. Purpose of this week, marvelous march, is not just to celebrate our past and look in the rearview mirror. Purpose of marvelous march is to say, thank God for what's in our rearview mirror, but what's in our windshield? Where are we heading now? What can we do for the glory of God as we seek to do the mission of God as the people of God? Let's pray about that. Father, as the pastor of Mount Airy Baptist Church, I thank you for what you've done 
in the years gone by. I thank you for the faithfulness that you have displayed and for reminding us again and again, showing us again and again, God is able. I pray that you will receive the glory for all that you've done here in these 125 years. But God, I pray that our best days will be in front of us, not behind us. I pray that our best days, we will, it will be in the windshield and we will see you do things that only you could ask or imagine. Help us to live in such a way that we're living for your glory instead of ours. For your plan instead of ours. For your purpose instead of ours. May we as your people be about your mission. And may lives be changed by the gospel in this community. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.